0: if you don't have a Bible, you know, you can have one of those Bibles to have. Um, There's some ESV versions in the back, and you can have that if you'd like it. Uh, And uh, we are in 1 Peter chapter 1 still. It's also pretty in your worship guide. Good deal. Everyone coming in? Come on in. Get a seat here. Dr. Dorian Paskowitz was, for all uh, intents and purposes, he was doing well in his life. Um, In uh, the 40s, he was uh, a physician in Hawaii. He was the head of the American Medical Association's um, chapter in Hawaii. Uh, He was a Stanford uh, grad, um, Stanford Medical School, and uh, he was married, had two kids. Uh, From the outside, he had conformed well to what it means to be successful in uh, American society. And then something happened in the 40s, in the late 40s. He started to have panic attacks. Um, His marriage um, fell apart. Uh, He lacked the will to live. And uh, he didn't know what he was going to do. So he went to Israel and spent a year in the desert trying to find himself. And after this year, uh, he came back to the United States and he said, I'm going to live a new life in a new way. I'm going to take exercise seriously. I'm going to live experiences. I'm going to be healthy. I am going to spurn the Western ideal of education and what it means to be conformed to uh, American society. I'm going to live differently. And he did. Uh, he got married again, and his wife and him lived um, in a van, and they had nine kids together, and uh, these nine children also lived in the van. Um, they never owned a home, and they went from um, North America to South America along the coastline following the waves. And what they did was um, they just surfed. This 11 people in the family just surfed. And uh, when the waves were good in Chile, they went there. When the waves were good uh, in Malibu, they went there. When the waves were good up north, they went there. And that's how they lived for 20-plus years in a van with nine children traveling the coast, and at some point they only had, they said, ten cents to their name. Ten cents. Dr. Dorian Paskowitz. Well, that's a modern example, a pretty extreme uh, example, of making lifestyle choices that are different from people around you. Okay? And the thing is, that is the same kind of question that is going to be asked today of this, these churches in Asia Minor. How are they going to act? Are they going to be conformists to Roman culture in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey? Or are they going to be non different, live a radical lifestyle? How should the church act, these people act, in this new community and then I want to ask this question then it comes to us in the 21st century individually and collectively what sets us apart how does it define how we live and how we act in this culture conformist non and I'm going to make this argument to you this morning The only thing that truly sets us apart is God. And that causes us not to be conformists or non-conformists, but it causes us to be transformers of the culture. The only thing that sets us apart is God himself. It doesn't cause us to be conformists or non-conformists to the culture, but instead transformers of it. Well, that's a mouthful but let's unpack it, shall we? Let's look at what the Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for your pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word, and uh, it calls us and commands us to a certain way. Lord, give us wisdom and insight and how to live in this way in the world. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us. We've been going through the book of First Peter, and uh, it's an epistle, a letter, and uh, it's, uh, it's the first time I've done this as a church. Um, epistles are a little bit more theologically and doctrinally driven, and so, you know, grammar and word size, all those things are important, and uh, they kind of build on each other, unlike narratives, like we've gone through the gospel or judges, and here, um, it's important to kind of see how it's building on each other, and I encourage any of you, our community groups are also going through the book of First Peter. If you want to uh, learn more about what it's saying or have questions about it, I encourage you to join one of those groups. It's a good place uh, to process it together and see how does this apply uh, to my life in more concrete ways and discussing that um, with others. And what we've seen about this group of people, and so far in Peter, is that we have a displaced people, an exiled group of people, both spiritually and physically, because they have been displaced from Rome, many of them, and now have been put in Turkey, and they've been there for the past 10 or 20 years, building churches. And... Uh, One, that's foreign from them, from Rome. Two, they're Christians. They're a little socially ostracized, isolated, so they're kind of dealing with the questions, how do we act in this culture? How should we be around those around us? And that is what um, Peter is trying to get at. So before this passage right here, Peter has encouraged them and said, yes, you are exiles, but at the same time, you're elect you're a part of this amazing story and narrative, that you are main characters in this narrative. and more than that, Jesus is first and foremost put in the center as the protagonist in this story and he has come for you and you're not far away from his revelation. So know that as much as you are exiles in this place, you have still been called out, you are still special and unique. You are part of an amazing story. And so he tells this before he gets to this next part. And the transition he uses is therefore. Now, this is important. This is one of probably the most important words in this whole passage is this first word, therefore. Because of all these things that God has done, because what he has done through Jesus Christ in your life, because of all these realities of who you are now, I'm calling you and commanding you to live this way. Moving from indicatives to imperatives commands. Okay? Indicatives, this is who you are. To imperatives, this is what you should do. And he starts with a great little word. Preparing your minds. And uh, in the Greek, um, it doesn't, in English, it doesn't really come out. That word prepare is actually girding up your loins. They're like, what the junk is that? Well, girding up your loins is, uh, what you would do is you would, if you had a robe or something like that, you would um, would pull up your robe and you would tuck it in your belt. That was girding up your loins. And why would you do that? If you wanted to run fast, (laughs) if you wanted to run faster, you would gird up your loins. If you were really going to run a race or you were going to try to get somewhere quickly or do something, you would gird up your loins. I guess in modern day, it would be like rolling up your sleeves, right? Is that what we'd say? Roll up your sleeves. Get ready. Let's do it. And that is what now Peter's transitioning them to. I'm calling you to do something. And this is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to take mental fortitude. It's going to take self-control. It's going to take realizing the hope that comes through Jesus, even in a very, very difficult situation. Roll up your sleeves and get ready, because it's going to take some serious work. You know, I think, at least I've noticed, maybe it's because I'm a parent involved in many different things, that there are many imperatives in our culture. And there are so many people fighting for your time, okay? Okay. I feel guilty every time I go to school functions because they're like, you should, your life should revolve around the PTA and this school, right? And then I go to, you know, the gym and uh, I see all these advertisers or weights exercise or do this. And my life should revolve around life in the YMCA, you know? Or when I, you know, many of you, when you go to work and you get the reviews or their boss, my life should revolve around my work and doing as much as I can there, this society, wherever it is or advertising or, they want your time, don't they? They want you to say, "Make this the number one priority. This should be what your life should revolve around. And I'm keenly aware that the church can be the same thing, can't it? OK, everyone. My command to you is you get involved in every single church function we have. You should be coming to every single thing that we do. That your life should revolve around this church. I'm just as bad as everyone else telling you this is what you should do. And it is easy when we get imperatives in Scripture and as pastors to bring on this layer of guilt. That your life should revolve around this. So let me give a word of warning before giving imperatives and commands. If you get done hearing this and say, man, I should be doing more at church, you have not heard the right thing, okay? But if you get away from this and say, oh, that's just another compartment in my life. Church and God here. School work here. You've also not gotten it. Because here... What Peter is trying to say is that your whole life, your whole being, who you are, should be revolving around this narrative of God. And you should be acting upon that. This isn't compartmentalization time. This is your life. And if you want to give any meaning to the other portions of your life, then God has to be first and foremost and centered. Okay? So, what should you not hear? Get involved in more church things, okay? What you should hear is, this isn't compartmentalization. This is the center of our lives. Okay? Or should be. I'll make that argument to you, okay? Well, let's move on, shall we? Um to what he has called us to, to be set apart, to be different, to not just compartmentalize, but instead to be different than everything around you because of who God is. And this is what he then gives the first imperative as. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. We talked about holiness a lot this morning already. But what is the first thing that pops in your mind when you hear the word holy? Good. I like call out, that's fine, yeah. Maybe. What did you hear? What'd you say? Oh, set, apart. set apart. Good right answer. That's the right answer. Some people, you know, at least when I hear holy, I hear, I hear the idea of being pure, being righteous, being just this ethereal thing that's outside of what I can be. Um, you know, that's kind of what comes to my mind: righteous living. And as was rightly poured out by Ray, it is the, that is a secondary um, idea, but the primary idea is set apart. That is what holy means, to be set apart. In Hebrew, it literally is the word kadash, meaning to be cut, to be separate. And so when God is calling Israel holy, he's saying you are set apart. You are cut differently, the top cut of something, over everyone around you. And then, again, it says the New Testament is not written in Hebrew, it's written in Greek, the Greek word agion would also have an understanding, not just for the Jewish readers, for the Gentile and, Greek and Roman readers, is because agion had, um, was connected to the word Augustus, which was, you know, the ruler of Rome. And the idea that there would, it would pop in their minds was agion would be, yes, the ruler, the head of Rome, Augustus, is set apart and he is different he is other than us so again the idea of holiness is to be set apart to be different in america the idea of being holy and set apart we love we like that idea the idea of being a nonconformist to not abiding by what everyone else does to be our individualistic selves and who we are whatever it might be that is that's an American ideal, is it not? I'm not one of those people that goes to Starbucks, right? I'm one of those people that goes to the, you know, the real local coffee shops, right? I'm not the kind of person that eats preservatives. I only eat natural things. Because my Moving to Wisconsin, being around my brother has been hard, and it's hard because... Um, I'm the yuppie of the family, right? I don't know how you can be an urban professional in Appleton, but just go with it, I guess. My brother and sister. But um, he lives in Amherst, and he, you know, builds his own home, log cabin, wood burning, and, you know, he's living off the land. And then there's me that lives in the city, you know. So he's like, man, I live for my own. You know, you're the yuppie. I live off the grid, you know. I don't need anything else, you know. So, the idea of being a nonconformist is an American ideal. And Doc Paskowitz, Dorian Paskowitz, I talked about later, um, I encourage you, a fascinating doc- documentary called Surfwise that follows uh, Paskowitz and his family over those years. It's a really good documentary. You will see that, while well, he is not religious in the sense of the traditional religions, He uses religious language. We are set apart. We are different. We're living a different way than the American ideal, than American education. I'm giving my kids something that is true and right of how we should live. Holiness language. (laughs) Even surf wise, even surfing with his family, he's using that holy language. So is that what Peter's saying? Is that what's happening here? Be a non-conformist. Be different than everyone else around you. Don't buy coffee at Starbucks. Don't look a certain way. That's what makes you truly separate. No. Instead, he says, "What makes you separate? What makes you different?" is God. You shall be holy, for I am holy. God is what's separate. He is the one you identify with. He is the one that calls you out and makes you different. Identify with Him, and that is what will make you different and separate in the culture. Let me unpack it a little bit more as the scripture goes on. Okay? Okay? And if you call, this here is verse 17, and if you call on him as father, so this is a good thing, okay, if you're saying you can call on God and say, my father, we have a relationship, this is a a relationship I can enter into, this is a good thing, look, I'm identified with him, okay, so we can quickly identify with God there, but then he goes on and says, don't think that's going to clear you from everything. No, this father is one that does what? Read on. Who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Judging impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Well, does that mean this church gets a pass? Does that mean they will not be judged by God? Does that mean he doesn't say they should live by a standard? Absolutely not. He will even judge them, impartially everyone. And you should fear a God that judges in that way. The idea of God is one to be feared is not a very likable idea in our culture. Maybe even likable. I don't find it very likable. But I'm going to make this argument, and I think I've made it before, but I'll do it again that we all live in fear of something. Whether it's God or something else, we all live in fear of something. Now see, the Romans and these Gentiles at this time, the one that was set apart was Augustus. So if I live in a way that contradicts the Roman Empire and what Augustus says this one that's set apart, what's (laughs) going to happen? You saw what happened. I got kicked out of Rome. Okay, if I continue in this lifestyle in this Roman Empire, what's going to happen to me there? So who did they fear? They feared the one set apart, Augustus. But now, Peter says, no, you should not fear anything but God himself. What is set apart for us? What are those individuals and things that are set apart? Maybe your boss? He's transcendent. He's different. If I want to make sure that I keep my job, that I am going to be okay where I work, I better live in fear of him. Is it other people? You know, I really fear what people think about me. So therefore, I am going to fear them. I have to win their favor. They are set apart. And actually winning their favor will then give me value. Is it fear of being skinny and uh, the models that we see on TV or in magazines? Oh man, they are set apart, aren't they? They are holy. I better look like them if I want to be okay in this culture. What do we set apart? What do we say is different that I have to live by that standard? Those things that we do are things that we fear. And here the scripture says, you should only fear God himself. Because this is a right fear. This is someone that actually will do something for you. And give you a good return. These other things will not. And let me show you how good of return he will bring Read with me some more, shall you? Shall we? It says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now, what happened in uh, that age, that uh, there was uh, a lot of people that were indentured servants um, that were, living kind of in slavery, and a lot of people that were not citizens of Rome. And it was a good thing to be a citizen of Rome, for one, nothing good to be free from indentured servitude. And the way that you would be able to be freed from those things or gain citizenship is you would make a payment, a tim. So you made this payment to the temple, to the government, whoever it might be, to be free from your slavery, to be free as a Roman citizen. And it was this ransom. And here Peter makes a very interesting statement. Let's look again. It says um, in verse 18, Knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways. This word ways that is used in the Greek here in Greek culture, it is never used negatively. Never. The ways were actually meaning being a good citizen, living a life that is good to Rome. To live in those ways was a good thing, but here, what does Peter do? He modifies it. He puts an adjective in front of it. Futile ways. What? Peter, you are now saying that the ways of Rome of being a good citizen are therefore therefore futile? That we need to be ransomed and saved from the ways of being a good citizen? Yes, Peter says, even these ways are not good. And then he says this, and he uses a wordplay. He says, not with perishable things, silver or gold, the tim, the payment's, but with the precious blood, and he uses this wordplay, the word precious is tineo. So he says, no, you're not going to make a payment with money. The payment that will truly free you from living this way that Rome says is okay is only going to be the payment of Jesus' blood. You know, I do think that we all make payments (laughs) to be free of something. Maybe if I make the payment to the man and work my job long enough, I will finally be free in retirement. Maybe if I make enough payments to my parents or whatever it might be, I will totally finally be free of their rule over me. Maybe if I finally make this payment of school or work or whatever and pay this ransom money, then I will finally be free to my own job. You can add anything you want, but we've all made payments to feel like we are free from this world, that we can finally be set apart, we can be different. But here scripture says this, the only thing that will free you from the futile ways of this world the treadmill, the rat race, whatever you want to insert the language, is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Only His payment will free you from the slavery that comes from all these different ways of living. You know, here's the thing. You've got to understand something about these, these people that were living in Rome in that time. Here they are, they're starting this new movement in the church. And they are in Turkey, in, in the northern part. And they are saying, okay, how are we going to be a group that is different from all around us? Should we conform to Rome? Should we become Roman citizens? Should we um, live in the way and the lifestyle that they live? Will that finally give us traction in this culture so this Christian movement will actually move forward? Should that be our approach? Or should we become nonconformists, revolutionaries? Should we say to everyone, we are different, here we go, we are going to revolt against Rome, we are going to tear down the government, we are going to be non to this culture. Or maybe we're just going to isolate ourselves away from everyone else. The thing is, I think Peter does not say conformity or non-conformity. Instead, he gives them a different way. And read with me what this different way is. Verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. And then he goes down, chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, the church could have put on a show. They could have said, the way that we're going to show people that we're different is we are going to advertise ourselves. We are going to look good to the culture. We're going to put on all these great things. And people will then come to us because... We are an amazing show. But Peter doesn't start with what they are going to look like on a show or big programs. Instead, he starts with how they are going to interact with each other. If you want to be a transformational community, if you want to know what it means to live holy, to be set apart, the first command he gives is love one another. And then he clarifies it even more. And he says, if you really want to live set apart and different, put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. If you want to be a set apart, the first thing you need to do is show that you can love each other well and you can put away these other ways of living. Let me illustrate. Doc Paskowitz said, my family is going to be the right family because we're going to live healthy, we're going to surf, (laughs) we are going to um, not do um, American education, we're going to teach them out of the van. We are going to be the perfect family. What do you think happened to that family? Do you think it was a healthy family? No. (laughs) Um, Kids don't talk to dad anymore. Brothers and sisters don't talk to each other. Um, It is a very dysfunctional and broken family. How did Doc's way of living set apart work? And what did it show to the world? Is everyone surfing out of their van now? Do you know anyone surfing? I don't know. Maybe you guys know people surfing out of their vans. I don't know. No. So what Jesus is saying and what Peter is saying, he's saying, if you want to show the world transformation, if you want to show them how you can be different, show them by how you love one another in your body. And then people will see that something is different among you. You know, I was surprised by working on Capitol Hill, Hill and a staff on uh, Uh, U.S. Congressional staff, and then working on a staff at a church. You know what I was surprised about when transitioning from that staff to a church staff? Was it how different it was? No. It was how similar it was. Take out the swearing. We didn't do that at the church staff meetings. And take out the agendas. But there was still backbiting... Malice, deceit, it still happened even in the church. I'm going to tell you guys, my generation, at least I feel like my generation, people younger than me, you can't entertain them anymore. We've seen it all, okay? You can't amaze us. You know, we use words like amazing and awesome, that just. Just stop. Please just don't use those words with me anymore. I mean, you say your program is going to be amazing. You say your event is going to be awesome. Listen, I've been to Disney World. You know, I've been to Universal, okay? I'm sorry, the church can't compete with how awesome that is from a show standpoint. You want to be different? You want to be set apart? You want to be awesome? Show the world something different. That you can love each other. That you can actually stick by each other through conflict. That you can actually have conversations about how you're different and how you make each other angry and how you will bear with each other in the midst of that. You want to show the world something awesome? You want to show them something amazing? Show them that we are a community that can love each other through pain and difficulty and still be together. That is something that my generation doesn't see. Because they've been a part of parents that have been divorced. They've been part of uh, friends that when they don't like a certain community, you just move because you can. You don't have to stick with anybody. You don't have to be committed to anybody. You can live in your own dang way, your own self. You can be set apart yourself. But here Peter says, you want to see something set apart? I'll show you a community set apart. One that loves one another. And then he says something so rich. He's used this born-again language, the idea of having a new life, being a baby. And he makes a comparison and contrast in two. One, he says, put away, which actually means take off your clothing. Take off this adult clothing. You know, when you're older, you put on clothing. When you're younger, you have less clothes on, right? So put away this adult clothing that you had. This malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Take that off. Don't let that feed you anymore. Don't let that comfort you anymore. That's the way of Rome. That's the way to get, away, get ahead in Roman civilization, in Roman citizenship. To backbite, to slander others. That's the way to feed yourself to get ahead in that culture. No I want you to put on this new way of life and feed yourself to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. You know, you slander and you talk bad about other people to get ahead. But when you cling to the spiritual milk of the gospel and the good news, there's no need to get ahead. There's no need to fight and bicker and be ahead of someone else or slander or belittle anyone else. Do you know why? Because you've already been ransomed and freed. You've already been bought with a price. You've already been owned a part of the kingdom. Why would you need to get ahead anywhere? Because God says you are a son and daughter of the king living among him. Why would you need to live in these different ways? And if you feed on that milk and you've tasted that goodness, then you will live revolutionarily set apart and transform a world that wants to live in that kind of way. Amen? Amen. Sorry, Sorry, I mean... That is good news! That's good news for me! As a church planner, worried about success. God, such good news. Taste of me. Taste of me. I am good. Do you know why Dorian Paschowitz went through this mental breakdown? He went through it because he, he wasn't a part of World War II. He actually got away from it. And he actually was of Jewish heritage. And one day after the war, someone showed him a picture of what happened to his Jewish ancestors during the Holocaust. And he saw a picture of a Nazi soldier executing a Jewish woman. And it just destroyed him and crushed him. That he was comfortable in Hawaii living his own way while his brothers and sisters were dying. And he said, when I saw this picture When I saw this picture, I was at the top of my game and successful at so many things. But not one of those things I did could save that woman. And then I determined that I would live my life different, set apart. I would make up for what I was not able to do. Well, the message of Christianity also gives us a picture that is totally different than any other picture this world can give. It gives us another radical, sad picture, like the picture of this woman being executed. It gives us a picture of our God hung on a cross, and it says to us, I am God, I am set apart, and I am holy. I did something that you could not do. I died so that I could be a payment for your sins. Two completely different pictures. But one of the pictures is one that will drive us. One that will let us know that even in our sins we are free. There is nothing that we can do but cling to His blood so that we can be called out. We can be set apart. That we can be holy because He first was holy and set apart for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for not uh, giving us words and commands to live and not doing it Yourself. You did cut Yourself, set Yourself apart from this world by being on this earth and living a way that we could not live so that we can cling to that and then be looked upon You as holy and righteous. We pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen.